And the IRS says, yeah, I'm, you know, agent such and such, Texas branch, IRS, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, we've done an audit, mm -hmm, blah, blah. Yeah, you, so not only did I lose the money I put in there, like, yeah, now you owe us $86,000 in wow. penalties and late fees. And I'm like, how do I owe money on something that lost money? Hello, fellow risk takers, and welcome to my worst investment ever. Stories of loss to keep you winning. This episode is sponsored by A Stocks Academy, which offers online courses to help investors better manage their stock portfolios, aspiring professionals to learn how to value any company in the world, business leaders to make their companies financially world-class, and even beginners to implement a simple lifetime investment plan. Go to myworstinvestmentever.com to get free access to my short course, Six Ways to Lose Your Money and Six Strategies to Win, where I share the six lessons I've learned from all of these podcast interviews. Fellow risk takers, this is your worst podcast host, Andrew Stotts, and I'm here with featured guest, Wes Schaefer. Wes, are you ready to rock? <laughs> I'm ready for you to read. I, I need you to do all my intros from now on, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know... I am the undisputed worst podcast host, so I'm not sure if you want me to do it, but I will do my best. Speaking, right. of, speaking of intros, you know, I really sought you out because I felt like I wanted to learn more about you and about what you do. And I'm going to tell the audience about that right now. Wes Schaefer is the sales whisperer, a pig-headed entrepreneur who really rehabilitates salespeople and trains their managers. He's a reassuringly expensive copywriter, sought-after speaker, and marketing automation expert. He is the author of 2.5 hmm, books on sales, marketing, and CRMs, <laughs> host of the Sales Podcast, which is on episode 462. I just listened to that one this morning. Host of the CRM Sushi Podcast, and he will help you grow by mastering the overlooked truth in life that to make any sale, you must make every sale. Wes, can you take a minute and fill any further tidbits about your life? Man, that was perfect. Uh, you know what, do I have to add to perfection? But <laughs> if, if I must, yeah, I don't put in there, I got seven kids and a big old whiskey collection. So if you find some good Thailand whiskey and you wanna send it to your favorite guest ever, I will gladly accept it. Interesting. Now, seven <laughs> kids, hold on. How old are your kids? Man, I got to think through it. All right. I haven't been drinking yet. Good thing. Mm -hmm. Currently, we have, we have four birthdays in eight days in April. So it can be a tricky question sometimes right around that time frame. But at the moment, they are 23, 22, 20, 18, 15, 12, and 6. Okay, you get a prize for that. That's very good. Never forget that. And it sounds like this is an expensive month for you. Now I know why you are a pig-headed well, well, entrepreneur. April. Yeah, yeah April. We, have, we have one October birthday, one November birthday, one February birthday, and four in April plus mine, so five. But I don't count. So, you know, the kids, that's all that matters now. I'm, I'm way down the food chain. <laughs> I think about one of my favorite podcasts and podcast hosts, John Lee Dumas from Entrepreneur on Fire. And he always talks about the baby effect and how all of a sudden when someone has a baby, they think, my God, I've got to get on those phones or I'm not going to be able to feed this kid. Son. Yeah, you got mama <laughs> breathing down your neck. She's like, 
Nice job. Get back on the phone. No time to celebrate. <laughs> exactly. Get back on the phone. It's just like that little bird that's out in the nest, out at, out on my balcony here that's had their little baby. And that baby doesn't care. You know, it nope. is chirping for its food chirp, every chirp, morning. Chirp. Exactly. <laughs> just like the bank. Pay yeah. me. Pay my yeah. pay your mortgage. Pay your electric bill. <laughs> exactly. So before we get into the question, I'd really love to just kind of get a breakdown of what you do. I know that you also talk about the sales agenda, which, you know, for the listeners out there, you can go to salesagenda.com and you can download that resource. But I'm just curious, like, you know, for my audience, there's a lot of financial people and a lot of very serious professional people working really hard, but they need to understand sales. So tell us just a bit about what you do. Yeah, it's, you know, I've owned the Sales Whisperer since 2006. And, you know, ultimately I help professional salespeople, sales managers, entrepreneurs have fun selling. Sell like a professional. Stop winging it. Stop shooting from the hip. Understand, you know, the yin and the yang, right? The, there's, the, there's the art of selling, but there's also the science of selling. It's, it's very prescriptive. People are very predictable. And when you understand how to conduct yourself, when you understand that it's our job to change how we sell, to match how the prospect wants to buy. Okay. And so it's, it's part theater, right? Because you, you want to match them to a degree. You're not a hundred percent mirroring, but you're, you've got to get a little, it's a dance, right? So you may have a certain style, but if they, if your partner has a preference, you know, I met my wife at a country bar, right? Mm. So I danced the way she wanted to dance because I wanted to keep dancing with her. (laughs) So you adapt, right. To make them comfortable. And then the sale comes really very naturally, very easily. And, you know, cause deep down, like my dirty little secret is I hate selling. I don't, I don't like the combative traditional concept of selling and overcoming objections. And you got to get five no's before you get to yes. It's like, it's just, life's too short for all that. Mm. You know, you said something that made me think I, I read one of the most fascinating books I think I read was uh, Neil Strauss's The Game, yeah. the, the under underground story of yeah. uh, the pickup artists and, and what, what was kind of amazing about that, where he went underground, you know, studying what pickup artists were teaching about how men pick up women. And what was very fascinating about it was that they were actually quite methodical. It's not like they came up with a different line for every woman that they went up with. They oh, had yeah. one line and they perfected it. They executed it over and over and over until it wasn't a big deal. And I just thought that was so interesting because you know, it's already tough enough for someone, you know, to approach another person and try to get to know them in one way or another, but then to have to think about what am I going to say and all that. So right. it's interesting that you talked about that. Can you just go on a little bit more? I mean, there's the art and the improvisation aspect, but there's also that structure that you're talking about. Well, and that's why, that's why salespeople get nervous on the phone. That's why, that's why people fear public speaking because they're winging it. Okay. Mm. If you, and I, I've pulled people out of the audience, you know, got to build up their trust a little bit, but I'll get someone that's truly afraid of speaking and I'll just, you know, go A, B, C, D. 
and I'll wait for them. EFG, HIJK. I'm like, okay, mm. you're, you're doing public speaking right now, right? You've practiced this so much, you don't have to think about it. Okay. But the problem is that salespeople, we're typically kind of entrepreneurial, right? And, and entrepreneurs, especially, they get in trouble. I got so many irons in the fire. Mm. I'm an entrepreneur, man. I'm blowing and going. I'm busy. We wear that as a badge of honor. But what happens is really we, we, we can't, we don't have the discipline. We don't have the commitment to stick and drill something down until we're, literally we're bored with it. Okay. Cause a professional will practice until they can't get it wrong. The rookie practices until they get it right. Okay. <laughs> so, so you got to stay at it and you've got to enjoy that process, you know, because the lines that I use and I I'll teach people in my sales training, I'll give them lines to use in the beginning, not to make them robots, but to help them get some early wins and build some momentum and then make it their own. But, but you, you can deliver all those with your own style, your own flair. And, and that's why you got to have like some bigger goals, bigger causes, you know, maybe, maybe you make as much money as you want. It's not super thrilling, but it frees you up to, Mm. help a charity or get involved in uh, boy scouts or whatever yep. because you're making it so easy for you in your regular job so you know you yeah. can look at it that way if it helps to, to stay motivated and stay after it it's interesting because i teach a course on how to be a great presenter and i just gave a presentation that was a 40-minute presentation on uh, on zoom to 450 people and i kept 450 people on that call until the end and literally the end of Q&A. And so many people sent me messages about how amazing that was. And they sent me stuff on LinkedIn and all that. And, you know, what they, what they didn't realize, and I told them at the end, you know, this 40-minute presentation took tons of hours to create. You know, yeah. this is not me winging it, as you say. It's right. me thinking about the structure of what I want to present, what's, the, what's the, the hook to how I get them to stay in it. You know, it's, it's all of these different aspects, you know, in the same piece. So that's, okay. that's definitely, uh, you know, what, I, what I've learned is that it's not about winging it. And it's no. not about the idea of, let's say, just trying to get up there. It's about practicing and executing. Now, okay. for, <laughs> you may notice my, uh, my video feed has gone off because, yeah, I'm having trouble with my computer, but hopefully my audio is still coming through. <laughs> it is. Okay. So let's continue on and let's get to our question. Now it's time to share your worst investment ever. And since no one ever goes into their worst investment thinking it will be, tell us a bit about the circumstances leading up to it and then tell us your story. Yeah, I got to mention when we were starting off, I mean, there's literally, there's a bunch, unfortunately or fortunately, right? And, and whatever uh, doesn't kill you only makes you stronger, right? So that means I am super strong. Mm. And, you know, a bunch of investments I've made in the past, the one thing they all have in common was that I doubted myself, mm -hmm. right? And I looked, I, I thought someone else had more knowledge, more wisdom, more insight, whatever, more skills, more abilities to, to be a better steward of my money than I was. You know, one in particular, this guy was my boss at the time. And this was back in 
golly, late, late 2002. And he lived in a city, uh, you know, four or five hours from me. And he want, he had a lot of real estate, single family homes, and he wanted to invest in an apartment complex. And so I just trusted him, right? I'm like, well, this guy, he's older, he's more successful. He had made money in, in the dot-com run-up in the late 90s. He was with a startup, cashed out, you know, over a million dollars. And, you know, looking back, he didn't do anything particular with that, right? He was just the right place, right time. He was a salesman at a, at a high flyer. Literally, it was the number one performer on the NASDAQ, I think, in 1999. Right place, right uh, time. Right place, right time. That company, we, at, we were working at that company. We, we met at a competitor to that company. And then we both went, he went back to that company and brought me with him. Mm. And they were, they were crashing and burning. We just didn't really know it at the time. That was another bad investment. Yep. But, um, you know, so I trusted him. You know, I could say he was older. He'd made more money. And, but he got into something he didn't know about. He'd never had a, a, an apartment complex. I didn't know anything about it. It wasn't near me, so I couldn't inspect it. I'm not, you know, I'm, I've got an engineering background from the Air Force Academy. I can get very analytical. I wrote a 700-page book on Infusionsoft, so I can get in the weeds. <laughs> but I don't like to, especially on, like, I'm not going to read a financial report on a on a apartment complex. I mean, I'm just not going to do it. And so, but I needed to. I should have, right? So I trusted him. I got my mom involved. I got a friend from college involved. And, and I remember like things started, they were going sideways and he's making excuses. And then it's like, it's not going well. And then, hmm, then he comes up with this idea. Like, we're supposedly being nice, right? Where he, he says he's going to give me a bigger ownership in the apartment hmm. so I can have a bigger write-off. So at least maybe recoup some of the losses in taxes. Then I remember getting a call. By then I'd moved to California, moved to California in late 04. I get a call. I don't even remember now. We were, well, we were in this house. We moved into this house in 2010. So it's like 2011. Okay. And the IRS says, yeah, I'm, you know, agent such and such. Texas branch, IRS, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, we've done an audit. Mm -hmm, blah, blah. Yeah, you. So not only did I lose the money I put in, they're like, yeah, now you owe us $86,000 in wow. penalties and late fees. And I'm like, how do I owe money on something that lost money? <laughs> like, oh, no, it made, you know, in the last year for it sold, it made like $450,000 and you were 50% owner. Oh. I'm like, it, I'm like, it made, it made money. What are you talking about? Right. He's telling me it's a loss and blah, blah, blah. And I was a 10% owner. Now I'm a 50% owner. So he lowered his taxes. Hmm. Right. So I got a bigger tax hit and he kept the money. Now, fortunately, I had done that investment through my Roth IRA. Hmm. So even though I didn't have any earnings, any theoretical earnings were tax-free. Right. So that helped, you know, but man, that stung because, you know, I ended up paying my mom back out of my own money and I paid my friend back out of my own money. Right. And so I lost what I put in, I reimbursed them and I got audited by the IRS. So wow. uh, that was a whole lot of fun. Wow. So what lessons did you learn from this? Well, like I say in the beginning, I trust yourself. 
right? You know, there's the old adage, if, if you can't explain it to a fifth grader, then you don't know it well enough to invest in it. Mm-hmm. If you can't draw it out on a napkin, oh, well, it's real easy. Yeah, you buy an apartment and you rent, charge rent and you make money. No, detail that out on a napkin. You know, show me vacancy rates, show me advertising rates. You know, how long does it take to, to rent it back out? What are the costs to rehab it and restore it? You know, show me all that. Show me the operations and maintenance overhead, management fees, cleaning, show me all that, Mm. you know, and you can jot that on a napkin, but if you don't know it well enough, you don't have any business putting your money in it. Yep. Wow. Let me summarize what I took away. I mean, there's, there's six common mistakes that, that I've come across through all the interviews. And I'd say this hit on probably three of them. The first one is mistake. Number one, most common is that people fail to do their own research. And that's, this issue you're talking about, about trusting yourself. And it really does raise a tough question. And that is, you know, if you don't like finance or it's not your area or investing, not, you know, are you supposed to become an expert in, you know, how to do this? Well, I think the first thing is don't take yourself into complex areas. You know, there are some simple ways to invest, like let's say an ETF or a fund that invests in every company in the US or the S&P 500 as an example where you can come up with a kind of simple way before you start to go into something complicated. So keep it simple is kind of an important part that makes research easier. The other mistake it seems like was this idea of misplaced trust. It's one of the hardest things in in business in general is like, who can you trust? And, and trust really is only built over time. And, you know, it sounds like this guy was probably out more for his own benefit than he was for yours. And then the third one is mistake number five, which is failed to monitor their investment. And I think this is a huge lesson for all of us is that it's easy for us to get busy and put that piece of paper or that document under, you know, in a drawer or in a file and not look at it. But truthfully, Really, you need to look at your investments once a month and just pop in and get the basic numbers of what's happening with that investment. Those are some of the takeaways that I got from it. Is there anything you'd add to that? Yeah, man, those are solid. Yeah. You know, trust your gut. I mean, because I had seen this guy in business and I had seen him conduct himself in a a sleazy manner. I mean, Mm. did things with some customers like, man, whoa, why do you do that? You know, and I just, I ignored it. I glossed it over. I made excuses. Well, that was business. And, and he was with a prior company and there was a downturn and it really was out of his control. And, but still it, it was shady and dirty the way he did it. Like I should have just, you know, said, no, you know, and I find out later he had a, a peer he had worked with at another company also invested, but he structured a different deal with that guy. That guy was older. He was savvier. He negotiated a buyout, not, not a buyout clause. Basically, he, he was reimbursed out of the proceeds earlier. Right. So he never lost any money. You know, he mm-hmm. got his money back at a minimum. So then I'm learning like, whoa, like, you know, I thought it was so unfair, yep. you know, but the reality is it's whatever, what's fair is what you can negotiate. Mm-hmm. You know, I could have negotiated different terms. I just, I didn't know. Yeah. Now I negotiate tougher terms. Yeah. <laughs> You know, recently I put out an ad on LinkedIn for salespeople to help me selling, particularly here in Thailand where I am. And I've gotten a lot of people that have applied. I've done some interviews and I had two people that I interviewed that actually did the same type of business. And that was selling Forex trading something, whatever it is. And I asked them about it. I said to both of the people who I interviewed separately, I said, 
you know, from my understanding, giving advice and, and having trading on Forex is only allowed through a commercial bank in Thailand. Is what you're doing illegal? And they said, they both said yes. And then, you know, there's also a lot of scams going on in the world of Forex trading, particularly here in Asia, but, you know, on the internet where people think they're going to make money. And then what happens is they transfer money into an account and they never see the money again. So there's the scam aspect of it. And then this other part where I can teach you how to trade Forex and make millions of dollars. And really that never works out. So I asked, you know, both of them this question. And then, you know, the, the question to the listener and to you, you also, Wes, is like, what do you do in that case? You know, on the one hand, I need salespeople. These guys are probably pretty good. They're sincere people. They've, they've honestly told me that, you know, what they're doing is illegal and, and one, I asked them about it and asked more questions. And one guy said, you know, that's the reason why I'm interviewing with you is I want to get out of this. And, you know, the question is, what do you do? And I'll tell you what I did. And I basically said, look, I just have to end the interview here. I appreciate, you know, what you're doing and, and I appreciate you applying. But the truth is, is that I just can't, you know, I can't even get a, a hint of this type of behavior into my life. So sorry about that. And uh, good luck. And that was the end. But I'm just curious, did I make a mistake? Should I give them a chance? I don't know. All in all, I mean, to make your life simple, that was yep. the best thing to do. Yeah. You know, like they say, you, you, you can't save every puppy in the pound. Yep. Yep. Right. Because if you, if you interviewed 10 guys, you know, that give you that answer, you know, there's probably one or two of them that, that are legit, mm. you know, good guys. Maybe they were, they were just in a tight spot. Yep you know, and I don't know enough about the business, right? It, it's like, are they teaching people legitimate ways? Maybe it's a lamb, but it's legal somewhere else. So right. I don't know, but you, you'd have to dig in so much to, <laughs> to find that diamond in the rough. Yeah. Like, is it worth your time? You know, the fact they're honest about it. Um, Appreciate that. Yep. It, it's a very good indicator. Yep. You know, but still they, They've been doing some dirty stuff. So, yeah. And I go back to your story. And when you observe someone doing some dirty stuff, you know, that's, that's a sign. And I challenge the listeners out there when you see someone doing something that you know is a bit dirty or sleazy, don't just justify it. Stop, stop and sit down and think about it, you know, very carefully. Because, you know, what my mother said, and uh, she's my number one listener out there. Hi, mom. And my, my mother said is that, you know, if they could do it once, what's to say they wouldn't do it another time? Yeah, and, sure. and that, and as a small company, a small entrepreneur, the fact is I just can't afford to tangle with that. And that's the reason why I did that. So this just reminds me of this idea of trust and also observing people's behavior and trust is built, you know, over time. So, Based on what you learned from this story and what you continue to learn, what one action would you recommend our listeners take to avoid suffering the same fate? Just trust in yourself, right? Invest in yourself. Mm -hmm. And the caveat there is invest with the intention to apply what you learn. Mm. Okay. There are a lot of professional students a, a friend of mine works with a very well-known marketing trainer, author, speaker, sells a lot of different programs, and a lot of their returns are unopened. Right. So 
you can't buy a $5 or $500 or $55,000 course or mentorship or mastermind and think just because you bought it that you're now better. Mm. You know, I'll tell people when they enroll in one of my programs, I ask them to go unsubscribe from at least 10 different things immediately. Mm, that's very interesting. Okay. Because dabbling, you're just going to get confused. All right. It's like if you're playing golf, you don't have 10 golf coaches. You have one. Gosh, now, I, love you may, I love that. Right. You may outgrow that coach. And like when I was learning golf in my twenties, I hired different golf pros and, but I would stick with one for, six months to a year, you know, or even longer. Sometimes I was in the military, so I was moving and I didn't have a lot of choice, but here in Southern California, I made a switch one time. I'd work with this one lady for about six months, a lot of lessons. And she really helped me. And then a friend introduced me to somebody else and my game had evolved and I liked his, his style. And so I, I switched, but you know, one at a time, Yep. you know, and, and I practiced like crazy, right. I'd, I'd go take a lesson. And then I'm on the range, man. I'm I'm applying mm. what they taught me. Then I'm then I'm playing and I'm playing with friends. You know, we're betting a quarter. You know, but you you put a nickel, make a nickel bet. Well, all of a sudden it's real. Yeah. Okay. And yep. the pressure's on. And then I go back. Hey, here's the problem. I, you know, I had an eight iron or the wind. Blah blah blah. So I but I have specifics now I can work on. So don't just go study just to study. Just really, really love that. And for the listeners out there, I just want to go over that for a moment. I know that, you know, you're sitting there thinking, I want to improve myself in this area or in that area. I want to take this online course. I want to learn such and such. The point is, is that now, basically what Wes has given us is the challenge. Where are you going to get the time? You have to take the time from something else that you're doing if you truly want to learn from what you're, you know, what you're embarking on. And that means you're going to have to take it, find the time to study it, to think about it, and then to apply it. And you've got to get the time from somewhere else. So I think that's a real, real golden nugget. All right. Last question. What's your number one goal for the next 12 months? Make a crap ton more money this year. I, um, I've kind of coasted really last couple mm. of years. I do a lot of Brazilian jiu-jitsu train. I've been training six days a week two and a half, three hours a day. And, and I'm just looking around, you know, I've got my, my fourth kid in college, like, yeah, yeah I'm gonna buckle down COVID. You know, I, I didn't realize I was living a, a quarantined life for the last 12 years. I've worked from home for a long time and, <laughs> uh, and using zoom and everything else, Skype, you know, since before it was cool. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm drilling down, I'm tightening up my own website, my own offers. Uh, I got a lot of clarity just really very recently on how I want to structure things, who I want to work with. And I'm going to be hitting it hard again, really for the first time in years. Great. So uh, exciting. Uh, looking, looking forward to it. So if the listeners want to, you know, learn more about you, get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to do that? Go to the saleswhisperer.com. All my social media links are there. I've got all kind of free reports, free newsletter, the weekly whisper, all types of free reports, free CRM quiz. I got a free sales calculator there. Mm. Uh, no, no opt-in. It'll help you figure out your activity levels, what you need to do, your conversion rates, 
So, you know, I'm always putting out content there to, um, you know, to help, help people in the world of sales and marketing. Fantastic. Fantastic. All right, listeners, there you have it. Another story of loss to keep you winning. Remember to go to myworstinvestmentever.com to get free access to my short course, Six Ways to Lose Your Money and Six Strategies to Win. As we conclude, Wes, I want to thank you again for coming on the show. On behalf of A. Stotts Academy, I hereby award you alumni status for turning your worst investment ever into your best teaching moment. Do you have any parting words for the audience? Go sell something. <laughs> and ladies and gentlemen, that's your challenge for the day. And that's a wrap on another great story to help us create, grow, and most importantly, protect our wealth. Fellow risk takers, this is your worst podcast host, Andrew Stott saying, I'll see you on the upside.